Before we begin today's podcast discussing labor with Wendy's, we'd like to make a quick disclaimer. For Wendy's franchisees, the guidance you'll hear during this podcast is not intended to be and should not be construed as earnings or profitability measures or claims of any kind. The discussion should not be relied upon or construed as representation by Wendy's that any franchisee can expect to attain a specific level or range of sales, cost, income, or profit from use of the labor guide or ideas expressed during the podcast. There's no assurance or guarantee as to the profitability or success of using ideas expressed during this podcast, and Wendy's makes no representation of any kind in that regard. Franchisees are free to use this information or disregard it. As always, franchisees are solely responsible for developing and utilizing their own labor guidelines independent of Wendy's International LLC and in compliance with all applicable laws, rules, or regulations. And now, time for the show. Welcome to Table Stakes, presented by Xenial, where some of the most innovative and tech-savvy leaders in the enterprise restaurant scene discuss the technology they are using to solve the toughest issues they face. I'm host, Andy Grindstaff. Restaurant enthusiast, technology optimist, and one of the product leads here at Xenial. And I'm Tama Looney, analytics fanatic, lifelong learner, diversity champion, and head of client success for Global Payments Ace Division. Today I'm joined by Kurt Charlotte, uh, the product manager of restaurant services at Wendy's, and Neil Starkey, the head of our back office and enterprise services at Xenial. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. So, Kurt, thank you so much for making time today. We're really excited to chat with you and what you guys are doing at Wendy's. Um, first, you know, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your career and your your current role, just to give uh, the folks listening some background on you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, my story is is probably pretty similar to a lot of uh, listeners who are in the restaurant industry. Um, I started actually uh, as a crew person, um, actually as you know, it, it, as a teenager, um, needed a part time job, uh, got my driver's license, and. Uh, of course, asked my mom for gas money, and, and she told me go get a job, like like many of our mothers did. So uh, I had a friend that worked at Wendy's, and uh, you know thought, hey, I love to work with with a friend, and you know started off just as a crew person, and uh, you know really didn't think of Wendy's as a career at the time, but um, fell in love with the restaurant industry, uh, fell in love with just the business overall. Um, and as I just continued to go, and you know went to college, I worked my way up into a shift manager position, and uh, eventually a general manager. I went to grad school. By that point, I was a district manager uh, for a Wendy's franchise um, and just, you know, continue to work my way up in the restaurant business with Wendy's um, on the franchise side as, as I continue to kind of go through school. Um, and, and really, after I graduated, um, you know, grad school, I was um, pretty much operating our, our franchisee um, in Northwest Ohio. Um, did that for, a, you know, about 20 years I was with with the Wendy's franchise. And then uh, recently, about you know 2019, I joined the Wendy's on the company side. Um, actually in the training department initially. So I uh, was teaching manager classes, writing content for, for managers and, and crew people from, from a training perspective, uh, but moved over to my current role as project manager in restaurant services about a year and a half ago, about August of 2021, um, which is where I'm at today. Awesome. That's like the, that's like the dream for any, you know, a restaurant operator, you know, to have someone who just started in the restaurant and just stayed with the company and, and moved up and used their skills for that. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Neil, hey, thank you so much for joining. I think this is the first podcast we've had you on, which is really exciting. We've been talking about doing an episode like this for a while, highlighting you know a lot of the back office and labor stuff. Um, but would you be able to share with our listeners just a little bit about you, your career history, and, and what you're doing with Xenial? Sure, absolutely. <clears throat> and, and Andy, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, pretty exciting for me to be doing this too. It, it, this is just a subject I'm very passionate about, back office, labor, enterprise systems, just uh, something, and you'll find out why here in a second. Um, my background is straight out of college. I went to work for a franchisee, 
but not in the way you might think. It was actually a Wendy's franchisee that also had another business, a software business on the side that wrote back office systems, or at the time, we called it, you may have heard of it, Ross. Um, and um, so I was brought on to help with that as a software engineer, and that was in 1984. And I'm still in this role a little bit. Um, I obviously went from there. We grew the company. I uh, ended up running the software development group there for, um, uh, at the time we were uh called, uh, well, it was RTI. And then that company continued to grow till uh, uh, we grew it to a point where uh, I, I became the uh, uh, president and COO of that company. And then we sold that company a few years after that. And to uh, uh, it, what ultimately ended up being where we are today in Xenial. So it's been uh, a lot of time uh, focused in one area. Uh, been basically working with food costs, labor costs, cash management, accounting systems, et cetera, all around uh, the quick service industry. Awesome. That is really cool to hear the breadth of experience that you've had and you've seen, you know, for the past couple of decades. This is invaluable in this industry. I know that it's been used well here. Um, so, guys, let's just let's dive right in. Um, I mean, wh- one of the premier things that everyone's still talking about, you know, in the restaurant industry is how you know COVID has wreaked havoc everywhere and especially in this industry. And so people constantly are hoping for this return to normalcy and, and, and restaurants and food in general has been kind of a bit of a, a stabilizing factor to a certain extent because it's always kind of been open and there for people. And, you know, a lot of the employees have had to kind of work through this, you know, compared to folks who've been able to go remote in other industries. Um, and so I'm curious to ask you, Kurt, I'll, I'll start with you and then Neil, you know, please feel free to, to jump in. Um, you know, what are you seeing and hearing that restaurant vendors are doing to help this industry and specifically for Wendy's, you know, to solve some of the biggest challenges, you know, that we're facing in this time? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the probably a lot of the same things, you know, other uh, QSR brands are doing. You know, first thing is, you know, everyone's looking at their menu and how can you simplify the menu to, to make operations easier, um, especially with the challenges with staffing and, and just uh, challenges with even in some cases supply chain. Um, and, and that may not be just necessarily, you know, removing menu items altogether, but maybe just simplifying the build uh, for a menu item to make it easier on everybody. Um, you know, other simplification things, you know, equipment, anything you can do with equipment to make it, you know, more efficient for the employees, easier to run, um, even layout changes and, and moving things around to make it more efficient um, and, and leveraging technology, um, again, all to make things easier, you know, for those employees. Um, you know, the other thing that, you know, Wendy specifically, we consistently look at and we have for years, I mean, wage pressures have, have really put a focus on this um, even before, you know, the pandemic. But um, anything that can enhance the productivity of the employees as well, um, if, if technology can be leveraged or equipment that can be leveraged that reduces the labor that it takes to operate the restaurant, um, you know, is, is, is a big win for us. Now, in the past, you know, that was a cost saving measure. Um, you know, especially with rising wages. Uh, today, I think it's more of a labor reallocation um, strategy because you're so short-staffed. If you can reduce, yeah. you know, the labor required um, to operate your restaurant, then you can use that labor for other tasks in the restaurant um, just because, you know, the staffing crunch. So, um, and then the finally, uh, the other thing that I'll say, we'll probably mention this again later, but, you know, mobile ordering, you know, for the whole industry, I think, you know, it's obviously has a lot of benefits to the customer, um, you know, every QSR is pushing customers towards, you know, the mobile app, grab and go, um, curbside in some cases, delivery platforms, obviously. Um, but on the other side of it, from an operations perspective, there's a, a re, you know, a reducing of labor that's required if you have those customers using those platforms. 
uh, because you're eliminating the need for order taking and for payment. Um, so again, you know, that could be used for labor savings, but I think in the world we live in today, it's more reallocating that labor. If that employee doesn't have to take, take the order and, and, um, you know, collect payment, then they can, you know, potentially, you know, be in the kitchen and producing the food or handing the food out to the customer. They could be doing other tasks, right. To, to push the service. Yeah, that's a great point. You, in, you know, internally, you're actively thinking about trying to push folks to that ordering channel. You know, one, I know there's a, you know, you can create a, a, a more loyal customer through that experience mm-hmm. and also get a lot more data, but, um, you know, and also average check increase. But from a labor standpoint, do you really, you know, talk to your, your teams around, hey, we want to, we want to actually push people to that because it's actually helping, you know, our kitchen staffing and being able to take those order takers and, and cook them. Is that like an active strategy you guys are thinking about? I don't know that we actively, you know, coach the team in the restaurant that, hey, this benefits you from a labor perspective or makes it easier, you know, on you. Um, Certainly we do, you know, tons of marketing to the to the consumer, um, you know, to push them towards adopting the mobile app. Um, You know, just something that comes to mind, I think, you know, adoption is is the key piece with any of those technologies. You know, for many years, a lot of QSR brands, Wendy's included, was, you know, really dipped their toes into the kiosk idea. Um, you know, having a customer walk in and, you know, rather than having to have a register operator take that order, you know, the customer can walk up to the kiosk and they're essentially doing the labor themselves to key that order into the POS. Um, now, today, I kind of joke with our teams that the phone is the kiosk. You know, right. that why, you don't even need the kiosk anymore. They can place that mobile order directly on their cell phone and everyone has a, a smartphone these days, you know, for the most part. Um, and so that, that, you know, is just additional ways to, to collect those orders. And it, it expands your order points because that's really what it all comes down to with throughput in a restaurant is, is giving having as many ways for customers to order as possible. It's just going to continually increase your throughput and how much sales you can push to a restaurant. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to be diving a little bit more deeper into, you know, labor and all that, that kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the things that when people think about mobile ordering or delivery or anything like that is, you know, when, when in a traditional restaurant prior to those order channels, you know, you could see the line, right? You could you could have some idea of what the drive through is like. When it comes to mobile ordering, you're kind of like, I have no idea how many orders are going to be coming in, you know, at this time, you know, at this time or within this hour. And there's certain, you know, you can throttle amount of orders with certain online platforms. But are you guys, does that, from an operations standpoint uh, in your world, does that, does that concern you at all? Uh, does that uh, the idea that you have no idea how many orders could come in at any given time give you a little bit of, you know, you know, butterflies in terms of how you're going to do labor scheduling? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, I would say there's definitely a level of unpredictability with those right. mobile and delivery, you know, we'll, we'll put delivery into that same, yeah, you know, same um, yeah, category. Um, and so, you know, just it, when I've been in the restaurants recently, or if I'm talking to operators, you know, it's that sort of bam, 25 orders all flood your screens, yeah. you know, and then the crew people are kind of shocked and awed um, at the, the, the amount of orders that have come through all at the same time. But, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I, I place mobile orders with other brands all the time. I'm sure, you, you know, you yeah. all do as well. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's everyone seems to be taking a little bit of a different strategy. Um, you know, Wendy's is actually rolling out and, and um, I think they've they're not quite system wide yet, but phasing in, you know, the, the ability for customers to schedule their order. Um, so instead of it just always being ASAP, you know, I'm going to be there right away. Um, I want to pick a time that I'm going to arrive. Um, and that, that can kind of, you know, hopefully control that flow a little bit as it hits the restaurant. Um, you know, the checking in process, you know, again, every brand is sort of, I think, tinkering with it to see what is the best balance of customer experience and employee experience, because that's the hard part. 
um, you know, to make sure customers, you know, yeah. uh, can, can have a great experience with a, a mobile or delivery platform, but it doesn't overwhelm the, t- the restaurant team as well. Let me add one piece into there. So two things ha- help in thinking about it and, and kind of dovetails into a little bit. We we're talking about labor and that, that uh, first we help forecast, right? So uh, most back offices have some type of forecasting. It needs to be pretty sophisticated. It's down to the quarter hour. So we, we kind of have an idea, but you do get the bang effect and that it, certainly you have to deal with that, right? And we've seen that too, Kurt, where people are scheduling orders and that's coming much more popular on the mobile platforms. In addition to that, on the windy side, you know, as as brands go, because we service a lot of different brands, most of the major brands with our back office, and Wendy's is probably, uh, well, I can say Wendy's has the most aggressive, uh, well-thought-out or maybe complex labor model we've seen. So they really have uh, these things that Kurt's talking about, take, you know, understanding the menu item count, what are key menu items, what are productivity enhancers in the store. It could be everything from equipment to technology, literally is in, it baked into the labor model, not to give any of it away, just saying there's a lot of factors that go into this labor model that, that, that uh, you know, is just really, you know, one of the top that we see. Yeah, I mean, I think it actually dovetails a little bit, you know, into one of the, the next questions, because Neil, I do want to come back to you. That you're seeing in the industry, but you set this up so well, you know, Kurt, yeah, Neil brings up a, a great point. You guys, you know, have, you know, a very robust uh, labor model. Um, and I mean, this is one of the central challenges of all the restaurants or restaurateurs, you know, you know, that they're dealing with is staffing and labor. Um, and what, you know, Neil point out, we, we support a lot of brands, but because yours is so robust this is one of the reasons we really wanted to talk to you for this episode, because I think you have some really good insight into you know, what's working, what's not, what are some different levers you can, you can pull that I think a lot of people listening, you know, would, would really love to hear. Um, so would you be able to share, you know, obviously as much as you're you know, able to, um, you know, what, what is driving your labor model and what is, you know, Wendy's philosophy behind managing and maintaining that? Yeah, I th- you know, first we we do have a complex labor model. I, I find myself apologizing to, to Neil and his team often for the complexity, uh, but you know, as as usual, RTI is always a great you know uh, partner, Xenial, um, with with helping us you know in- implement that. So I want to you know give a shout out and thank you to Neil and his team for that. But yeah, I think you know our our labor model it's it's really driven about giving each restaurant you know a customized labor guide that works best for their their restaurant. Um, every restaurant is so unique. Um, and I think, you know, other brands face these same, you know, problems or differences. Uh, for example, you know, the, the type of restaurant in terms of the layout. Um, Wendy's has, you know, several different layouts over the years. We've been around for over 50 years, so things have changed. We've got some restaurants that have been around for almost all those 50 years and some that are brand new. So um, there's different labor efficiencies or inefficiencies depending on that labor type. So we allow that to be selected in our labor model and it, it adjusts accordingly. Um, you know, even the equipment that the restaurants have. I, I mentioned productivity uh, earlier and equipment that can enhance productivity, um, giving restaurants the ability to select which, which equipment do they have that could help with their labor um, and, and either adjusting, you know, the labor guide to more or less hours, depending on, you know, what equipment they may have in the restaurant. Um, you know, another key thing is just, you know, every employee um, has different levels of productivity. Um, you know, it, if you've been a general manager in a restaurant, um, and, and you've got a really well-trained, uh, high-tenure crew um, without a lot of turnover. Kind of rare these days, unfortunately, in, the, in the, the setting we're in, the environment we're in. But if you have that restaurant team, they're just simply more productive. And you, need, you, you don't need as many people to, to service the customer at a high level 
but on the opposite end, you know, if you've got a lot of brand new crew people that are not as trained as well, they don't have as much experience, um, they're not as efficient uh, from a labor perspective. So we have a productivity level setting that allows, you know, the, the teams to kind of select where are their crew at and it adjusts the labor model, you know, accordingly. Um, and then finally, last thing I'll, I'll say, and, and I'll, I'll let Neil speak up if there's anything else that, that sticks out to him, um, you know, compared to other brands that they service, um, is our, our model is transaction driven. Um, it's based on the product mix of what that restaurant is selling specifically. Um, so we provide the right labor uh, needed and required to serve the customer based on that restaurant's specific product mix. Um, it's just simple fact that some products are easier for the crew to put together and serve the customer than other products. And if you don't take that into consideration, um, you know, every restaurant, you know, if you all operate on the same amount of labor hours, but you have a completely different product mix, it's just not going to work. So, uh, you know, that's why our complexity, that's the purpose behind our complexity. Yeah, I'll, I'll comment on it just for a minute. Uh, Kurt, I remember the days of the taco salads and someone ordered one through the uh, drive-thru and it would kill the drive-thru. I don't know if you remember those days, but it was just a major pain. So what's interesting to me in, 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 uh, in dealing with the Wendy's labor model is that two things. One is the, the depth that you guys went through over the years of study that you did. And two, um, you know, the partnership that we have, uh, you know, bringing, the, bringing the, the vendors in saying, here's our labor model and you, here's what you need to pay. This is what you need to do to help our stores. And it's kind of a, a joint thing we do together. And uh, it, it is, uh, it's not a static uh, model either. I think you guys update at least once a year, if, if not sometimes twice a year. And we've had to do some unusual things with COVID, but you know, th- th- as a brand, they're very much constantly evolving this and, it's, and, and uh, adding either new productivity enhancers or, you know, the menu mix obviously is always being weighted. There's just a number of things that are happening dynamically throughout the year that that get updated and and that has to be rolled out to the customer base. But that's what, you know, they're doing to stay competitive. And that's the aggressive part that we see on Wendy's side. That's a very aggressive part for a brand that we deal with. Hold on, Neil, you brought up a a really interesting point that I think some people will have a question on, Kurt. Um, He mentioned you studied this extensively. To get to that place. And I, I don't want to overlook that. And I think some people will be like, why did you do that, though? Like, what went into the study of getting your model to where it is? What what does that look like? Yeah, I, you know, luckily, we, you know, I have a team of industrial engineers at my disposal who study this. And, you know, it's really their their specialty. And so, you know, it really honestly starts with what we call the work content um, that it takes to do literally every task in the restaurant. Um, not just for the service perspective of putting the products together, um, but also from what we call non-service. So we, we really look at labor from two buckets, the service labor side and the non-service labor side. And for non-service, you know, we even have those engineering standards for the work content it takes to uh, scrub the floors, clean the fryers, sweep and mop, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so we have just this massive database of the, the timings for all those different individual tasks that the, the employees have to do in the restaurant. Um, and that, that helps us in a lot of different ways. Even if marketing says, hey, if we change this product, what's the impact? You know, we can pretty quickly look it up um, and, 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 you know, help us think strategically about the labor impacts of, you know, menu changes, you know, product changes, taking something out, putting something else in, um, which, you know, really helps, I think, our leadership to make the right decision um, and, and balance the labor needs, you know, versus, you know, potentially a great new product for the customer. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it all starts with that, with those engineering standards. Um, and then once we kind of have that computated and, and we understand, you know, how long it takes to put all those products together, that's when we start to weave in those restaurants, you know, product mix 
um, to figure out, you know, the specific labor they need based off of their their menu. And I, th- I think a piece that goes on top of that, Andy, is that uh, you guys also you test, you deploy, test, reevaluate, reassess, change back. That's also a big part of the study. I mean, in, in engineering aside, there's also real world application that has to help, you know, final, final, finally shape the model to make sure that it's accurate, you know, across different uh, store volumes and menu mixes. So that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point, Neil. There is an art form to it, for sure. Um, and, you know, my, my, uh, my director, uh, Sean Likens, who, Neil, you know, he likes to call it massaging the model, right? There's just a certain operator you got to put your operator hat on. Um, and one, of the, one great example of that is, you know, labor in restaurants gets really complicated um, because there's always um, what we call gap labor, which is labor when you don't have an order. Um, so if there's a break in service and there's just no customers for even a minute or two minutes, um, that labor, you know, that employee who is, you know, really there to serve the customer can go do something else. It could be a non-service. It could be sweep the floor, or take the trash out. Um, and so they're kind of concurrently doing two things at once. And that's where I think that art form comes in. To really understand, okay, how much labor does a restaurant need to open the restaurant or close the restaurant? They're going to be doing some of these tasks in between orders. Some of it they need dedicated non-service labor for. Um, and, and luckily, my operations you know, background helps me think that stuff through and not just rely only on the data, but also the art form that Neil kind of described. Yeah, that's I, I love that you guys will take and continuously reevaluate. Sometimes you know, when you're rolling something new out as a company, and, and restaurant brands are certainly not immune to this or sometimes the worst offenders of this. Uh, but they'll t- take so long doing it, just trying to get it right, that they will, you know, co- opportunity cost themselves out of, you know, the advancements that they could have um, yeah. by implementing something. So not being afraid to go back and say, okay, we've learned something, let's change it, let's consistently changing it, and building the expectations in with leadership that you know this is going to be an ongoing thing rather than hey, we're going to introduce this and everything's going to be great. Yep, agree. So I had a I had an interesting question that I think would be a lot of people would be really interested to hear the answer for. Um, you know, and I want to I want to push this to both of you guys. Um, what would you say is either the most overlooked or underrated factor when it comes to staffing and labor that brands should take into consideration? That's a great question. I, I honestly would say that it, it gets overlooked, but you're, I mentioned this earlier. Restaurant turnover is such an impact on enabling labor efficiency. Um, it, it really, I think it gets overlooked sometimes the, the retention you have in the restaurant, the experience that you have, um, it, it can make a huge impact on how efficiently you can run your, your restaurant and, and run your labor you know, numbers, especially, you know, from a profitability perspective. So that's one that comes to mind. I'll keep thinking maybe Neil, uh, one might come to your yeah. mind. You can jump in. Yeah, I'll jump in on that. One, one of the things I see is, um, it actually is before we actually do the uh, uh, labor requirements, Kurt. It's the, it's the forecast. A lot of people really just look at their – they don't really spend time uh, looking at their forecast or, or really take a look at what my day part sales have been over the past week. And, uh, you know, part of what we try to do is prevent, prevent a view that you can see, you know, here's what I've been doing. Here's what my trends are. But the manager has to have buy-in. That's that's And it just seems like a lot of people just – kind of roll the schedule from last week to this week in, in, in some brands. And, 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 and it's easy to do that, but you don't end up with really a quality schedule. And so just not, that is the foundation of everything you do. And it's not, that forecast is not just used for labor, but it's used for food, you know, many, for many mix and prep and ordering and everything else. So it's just so critical. I'd say the second thing that, you know, we kind of see 
um, that is overlooked is uh, you do have that time in between that, that Kurt was mentioning, you know, and Kurt, we have the housekeeping tasks and the cleaning tasks that can be, that are easily digestible pieces that when there is that downtime, we can deploy that labor right away. We have a list already ready for them to go with time goals so they can go get those. And so you really have to be, a, you know, a manager has to be on top of it, the team, and it has to be a team effort in that restaurant. They have to all be, you know, going in the same direction and have the same goals. And that, and, but having those downtimes to actually make them productive really helps, you know, keep that, keep the restaurant staff focused and moving. Those are great answers. Kurt, you, you mentioned retention. And I think, yeah, that is true that the, the cost of losing an employee, having to train another one, man, that just throws a whole wrench in the, in the cogs of operations. Have you seen any, um, and I, this is something that's, you know, going on, as you mentioned earlier in this episode, industry-wide, have you seen anything working for you guys at Wendy's that's helped retention at any stores, maybe something a franchisee is doing or something you've seen that has been more effective than other things? Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's that's the magic question. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think on, yeah. the honest answer is, you know, there's there's no great answer where there's a magic bullet. And we all know that. Um, but I think, you know, there's two things that I, I talk to operators about that, that come to mind. The first thing is you pretty much have to, you know, from a recruiting perspective and a turnover retention perspective, you have to almost do it all, you know, and then this environment we're in. So, um, you know, there was always kind of a, 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 game, a game plan years ago. Hey, if I need to hire, I'm going to post an ad here. I'm going to put up a sign on my, my reader board and it's going to be done. I'll, I'll have, you know, applicants coming in. Um, you know, in this environment we're in, you know, you really just have to do a little bit of all of it. Um, I know obviously there's cost, you know, how much it's going to cost you to, to place, you know, those ads or, or print, um, you know, recruitment materials. But um, the one thing I would say, Andy, that, you know, I feel from talking to operators that is maybe overlooked is, um, you know, again, a lot of restaurant brands are focusing on the recruitment side of it and trying to get the application flow up and trying to get people in the door to apply and, and, and onboard them. Um, but I don't know that, that people put enough focus on the retention, especially in those first 30 days of keeping yeah. that new hire on. And I've seen some, some Wendy's franchisees that have had a lot of great success with just starting off culturally with that new employee and embedding them in that restaurant, making a family environment so that they don't lose them, you know, within those first 30 days, first 60 days and so on. Um, and otherwise, if you don't do that, you know, you're spending a lot of money on um, snag a job or wherever to bring those people in. And then it's like a revolving door. They're going right back out the back door and you've just wasted time, you know, training, hiring and all that fun stuff. Um, and, and they're no longer working for you. So um, I think you have to look at it from both angles, not just the recruitment side, but also the retention side um, and what you're doing. So I'll just give you one really quick example, Andy. Um, talk to a Wendy's franchisee that um, director of operations um, certainly has a pretty large uh, amount of restaurants that he operates. And he makes it a point. I, I was amazed by this. Uh, he makes it a point to make contact with every newly hired crew person. Um, yeah. Every single one. Like those small things. Exactly. Yeah. Small yeah. little thing. And, you know, technology, he just leverages. He sets up a Zoom call. Obviously, he can't be in. I think he has he had 40 some restaurants that he operated. He can't be in every restaurant. It's a large footprint of geography. But he sets up a Zoom call, you know, even if it's 10, 15 minutes to say, hey, I'm the director of operations. Welcome to the team. And just kind of create that, you know, great culture right from the very beginning. And, and they found great success with that. Yeah, Andy, add to that a little bit too. What we've seen in brands also to help with retention is, uh, well, two things. One is 
they everybody recognizes that we're going to have high turnover. That's just you know that's just a fact of life, especially right now. And we're short. And training, tra- being able to train people effectively and easily, and engage the the uh, uh, the employees at their level has become a big thing. So we've also seen brands invest heavily in these training aids and learning aids to help bring on people, engage um, the, the 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 crew members that are coming on board. So they you know they feel like more than just and it's more than just a little bit about how to fry how to drop fries or you know, how to, how to flip burgers. There's more to some cultural stuff around the restaurant industry itself. Some things about, you know, why, why you're doing this instead of what you're doing, that you're serving others. So it, it's really taken on a, a big, broad section now. The training seems to have really blossomed in, in trying to help get people in the, in the door and engage in the business. That, I think that's a, a great call out, Neil, and something that you know folks shouldn't shouldn't overlook. It sounds like there's a couple places that you guys have identified where you know key investments, but just taking a little bit of an extra step can make a world of difference. And and you know, and have you seen this across the industry? The folks that do that, it's it's an order of magnitude uh, better than if if they don't. And so it's worth it to take the time and go go the extra mile. Um, you know, I want to I want to finish with 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 one final question to to, to both of you. Um, and Neil, we'll start with we'll start with you. But this is for both of you. You know, what practical advice, key takeaways? These are things that you know, folks who listen to this podcast are really looking for. And there's been a lot of learnings over the past six, twelve, eighteen months. Um, and so, Neil, in your world, and in, in the with the breadth of vision that you've seen across brands. You know, what are some of those key lessons or takeaways that you've learned that you would pass on to to folks listening in terms of, you know, making the next six months better than the last six months? Yeah, um, that's a great that's a great question. So it, it's, it's a broad one, Andy, but I'll, I'll narrow the focus down to a couple of things. One is Perfect. with labor, you know, with in respect to labor, the focus on the drive through has just been very intense. And so, you know, if. It, you need to have. You need to know your windows times. You need to be focused on keeping that window time down as as, as much as possible. And you know we're seeing, uh, uh, as, as you know, a huge shift to employing more technology in the stores to help. You know, I'll never forget when the when when the pandemic hit. And I, I don't remember if you were in this meeting, Andy, or not. But you know, our head of technology, Chris Seifkin, pulled pulled together a group and said, "Hey." Let's talk about this because this is going to reshape the industry. We're going to have to, you remember this? We had a brainstorming session about what things can we bring to the market to help the operators out there. And that, we, we started with voice and vision. A lot of things came out of that that we now do to help to help to drive through. And so I think the, the thing there is, you know, you have to be open. You can't just adopt every technology, but you, we're seeing brands really start to adopt heavier technology in those areas. AI is a big part of that. I mean, just a lot of things that, you know, people really need to jump into. So I, 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 I that's kind of a broad category, but I, I think focusing on the drive-through is, is just one of the key areas that we, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, and it's more than that, I, just to back up, digital mini boards is just another part of that. You know, I just think of the things that we're doing now to help get the orders through quicker and uh, get the people through the line faster, just from a standpoint of better quality service for the, for the franchisees. So that, or I'm sorry, for the uh, customer. So very neat to see that come to come to come from my perspective, from a technology perspective, to see that actually come to fruition. Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer, Neil. Thank you so much, Kurt. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know one of the biggest takeaways, I guess, the last six months to a year for me um, is you know in some ways slow down. And what I mean by that is you know we have to be consistently conscious that the restaurant teams are 
you know, struggling because of the staffing issues. And so the, the speed of which we put new things in the restaurant, uh, we just have to be conscious of, you know, what's on their plate, um, whether it be the communications that we're sending out to the restaurant teams or a new initiative. Um, it could be product related. It could be tech things like Neil mentioned. Um, so, you know, the, the Neil's team could have a, a great, awesome technology um, that we want to put into a restaurant, but we also have to balance that with what else are we throwing at them, right? Because they're just overwhelmed. You know, they're, they're a little bit in that survival mode. So that's one thing I just ch challenge myself, even when I'm writing out communication, make it brief, make it concise, make it simple um, so that, you know, they don't have a ton of time on their hands. Um, the other thing, too, I think Neil talked about a lot of uh, technology leveraging, uh, leveraging technology um, to make, you know, drive through operations, you know, faster, easier and, and things like that. But the other thing is, you know, our employees like that stuff in terms of cool, cool tech stuff. Right. Um, and so I've, I've seen tech companies that are introducing, um, you know, the ability to use Alexa in restaurants, not something that Wendy's has explored quite yet, but, you know, imagine a world where an employee could, you know, leverage Alexa to, to understand, you know, Hey, Alexa, what are my speed of service times right now? I don't even want to look at a monitor. I just want to ask, you know, a system and it could read off, you know, our, our current drive through speed of service times. Um, you know, I'm just creating a scenario, but the point is that, you know, crew people, I think, want a place that's fun to work. You know, they want a place that's energizing. Um, so some of that, sometimes that technology can also help from a retention standpoint or just from a people, you know, from people wanting to work for your business. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kurt. That's, I think, really insightful. And I think a lot of folks listening are are, are going to, you know, really appreciate the care that you're taking into the the balance, the excitement, but also the, the care, I think, is something that people really feel um, the need for, uh, especially when you're, you're, sometimes people forget like you know we're thinking about you get words like labor and all that kind of stuff that just you know is this industry term that gets thrown around and we forget that within that word is a whole bunch of people and their livelihoods and and sometimes that you know can make all the difference in terms of just treating them like a human being and remembering that they're just trying to they're just trying to put food on their table as well and so i appreciate that care that you're that you brought into that Yep. Well, gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure, a great conversation. Thank you for, for participating today. And thank you, listener, for taking your time to, to join us as well. So, you know, until next time, join us for the Table Stakes podcast for a dash of innovation, a pinch of technology, a tablespoon of business strategy, and a generous measure of good humor. We'll catch you next time. If you have any questions about what you heard today, or would like to suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming episode, we want to hear from you. You can reach us at tablestakes at zenial.com. Tablestakes is produced by Michael Kowalski. Our audio engineer is Joseph Hawk, and I'm your host, Andy Grindstaff.